everyone um, and welcome to Cornwall Insights latest podcast. Today we're talking about a recently published report which focuses on consolidation in the domestic energy market. So on today's podcast we have myself, um, Emma Bill, I'm a lead research analyst in the research team at Cornwall Insight and I'm joined by my colleagues, my colleague Kate. Hi, I'm Kate Hill, also a lead research analyst um, in the research team at Cornwall Insight. And today we are talking to Tim Jackson-Smith from Shoesmiths. Uh, hello there. Uh, yeah, I'm one of the corporate partners uh, at, at Shoesmiths. Um, I've also had a, a spell out of uh, practice and in industry, particularly in the energy supply industry, working with Utility Group, who were responsible for bringing quite a number of new entrants into the market in the in the 2010s. Sure. So thanks for that, Tim and Kate. Um, so I'll just sort of set the scene as as to um, while we you know while we're talking about this today. Um, so as many of our listeners may know too well, the domestic energy supply market has gone through a period of intense competition um, over the last five or so years. Lower barriers to entry saw a rise in licensed competitors um, and subsequent erosion of the market share held by the incumbent, um, now referred to as the former. Big six. Of course, that no longer exists. Um, so since the boom in new entrants during the 2010s, we've seen a range of propositions from low cost energy to local energy and green tariff offerings. We've also seen suppliers specialising in technology, such as smart meters and dynamic tariffs um, have also emerged as well. Uh, as of today, we've seen in excess of 20 solar uh, supplier of last resort events and market exits and of course um, hub energy being the latest one so with all of these exits um, there are cost implications for the whole of the industry um, and this is due to the socialization of failed supplier debt mergers and acquisitions are also on the rise um, all of which have has come off the back of the intense competition and other factors that are at play. So we have a lot of things going on in the market at the moment on the domestic side, the price cap and recently seen significant increases um, and other thing, other industry programs going on in the current sort of regulatory space. So Ofgem has progressed its supplier licensing review um, and it has implemented changes to strengthen those entry requirements and also to improve its monitoring of active suppliers. But still, um, you know, these changes have come in in the last two or so years, um, been worked on for a number of years before that, um, but they've actually only recently come into play and the market is still expected to continue to undergo further change. Just going to the uh, report that we've been working on. Um, green credentials and technology are, are set to set to play a significant role in, in a supplier's success or its leading position in the market. Um, now we're seeing this, but we, we're also um, expecting this to continue into the future. So what we're going to do in today's podcast is sort of get Tim's response um, to some of the report findings in particular. Uh, and consider what the future may hold for UK domestic energy supply. So, Tim, as we've sort of um, touched on in the report, you know, becoming an energy supplier is no longer as easy or straightforward as it once was thought to be. Um, over the years, suppliers have had to adapt to a fast-moving regulatory landscape as well. 
So how has this sort of continued stream of changes to the supplier rulebook in particular contributed to the success or failure of certain suppliers in your view? Yeah, thank you. I think it's um, it hasn't helped a number of, of suppliers. And I think certainly when, when we saw the first rush of, of new entrants, um, things were a lot easier. And, and I think there were a lot of people sort of jumping on the bandwagon um, it was almost a bit like sort of next double glazing um, fad, if you like, and, and people saw it as a, a good, a, a quick and easy way to make some uh, some money. Um, obviously, that that that's that's now changed, and I don't think that's that's the view anymore. Um, and clearly, the the requirements have have changed, and quite rightly in terms of, particularly in terms of the sort of balance sheet strength of of new entrants to make sure that they are able to to meet their their obligations. Um, and I know a number of of the solar events have been triggered um, because of renewable obligation payments that, that the smaller suppliers in particular are just struggling to uh, to make. And there's been a few suggestions around um, staggering those uh, to allow you know businesses to manage the cash the cash flow a lot more easily, which is probably a good idea. But I think um, certainly for the for certain of those uh, new entrants, the, the changes have, have made life a lot uh, a lot more difficult. Obviously, we had a price cap as well. Um, that, that came in, which which wasn't helpful. Um, I mean, they're already operating on very thin margins in this in this space, and to then have a price cap on top um, was was again a, a kind of you know another another nail in in the coffin for a number of uh, a number of suppliers. Because of the, the way that the warm home scheme uh, operated, certain participants in the market voluntarily. Um, said that they would go along with it um the more sort of socially minded suppliers in particular and that clearly put them at a disadvantage compared to those uh, who chose not to opt to volunteer um for those schemes so i i think um that needs to be addressed and and you know the playing field needs to be level for all participants um it, it when it, when it's capable of being skewed that way again it, it favors um certain suppliers over others um when it shouldn't and you know the the, the those particular suppliers were, were doing the right thing. Um, and, you know, they had more of a community spirit. They'd been set up in a way that they wanted to serve their local communities or a particular sort of part of society, if, if it was particularly a, a sort of green offering or whatever it might be. Um, and to then find that, um, that despite all that sort of good, you know, the, the, the good natured side of that, that they were then um, at, a, at a disadvantage to uh, to some of the more, so we say, less scrupulous suppliers um is unfair yeah i think that's a really good point and that's definitely um you know captured throughout the report by by the stakeholders we stakeholders we interviewed um moving on to sort of the next question yeah so um stakeholders in in the reports um said about a rise in potential sales among small and medium-sized suppliers how do you think the um expected rise in these merger and acquisition activities will impact the market yeah I think it's I think it's been very interesting when we saw today um, that uh, Ecotricity had made a an offer for good energy and it's obviously been sort of circling around good energy for a while so I think that's that's a sort of hot off the press example of of M&A in this space um, and I think it is a natural consequence as you get a market that, that grew so quickly such as this one and, and had such a a, a rush of a rush of uh, new entrants coming into it um that you, you're inevitably going to you know after a few years you're going to get consolidation in that space and and that's leaving aside the solar events which we which we've already discussed so i think 
I mean, I think it, it will be interesting to see how the M&A activity impacts the market, and particularly in terms of consumer choice, because obviously the the, the benefit of, of having lots of those new suppliers was that when people got 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 into the habit of switching, there was a lot there was a lot of choice, um, and obviously the, the danger is that if that market consolidates and the number of players reduces quite dramatically, then then choice is impacted and query. You know, does that then impact on the the competitive um, nature of the market? You know, do, will we find that it's actually less competitive um, and that it's less that, that there'll be less sort of um, benefit for switching um you know and the, and the market will will you know that won't benefit consumers in the way that that it that that the that we've had you know with the um the benefit of of a number of uh, of new entrants and, and the innovative way that they've gone about marketing and and pitching their their sort of proposition um so i think that will be it will be interesting to see to see how that plays out and do you think this um rise in the margin act acquisition activity alleviates any pressure um, on Ofgem's solar mechanism and may protect the industry more widely, um, for example, from the, the socialised um, costs Bad across deck. the industry? Yeah, I, th I think I think it will. I think um, there is there is a benefit in in in, sight, in, in being bigger in, in this industry, I think just purely because of just, just from a cash flow perspective, although it's interesting to see how few of the players in the market actually make a profit. Um, but but the, the the bigger the bigger you are, the, the, I think the, um, the obviously the more the more customers you've got, the more the more turnover you've got, and and I think um, that should alleviate pressure on 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 the solar. I think it's not not. I wouldn't say that 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 certain of the suppliers become sort of too big to fail. Um, but I think there is a there's definitely um, a benefit in in having that that, that size and and a, and a certain critical mass in terms of of customer numbers um, uh, to help them through. So yeah, I, I think it will. Um, and we saw you mentioned earlier that the Hub Energy had gone under. That that actually was a, was a relatively small supplier in terms of customer numbers, and and I think that that will clearly have been a factor um, in that business not being able to. Um, to survive, um, so I think um, I think it will alleviate pressure. And I think, as you talked about, the socialised um, bad debt costs. Um, clearly, that that's something that, that that flows across the industry. So, if that can be be stopped, again, that will that will benefit um, large and small um, alike. Yeah, so I was, I was just going to sort of touch on that point about Hub Energy as well. Um, again, sad news that another supplier had, had sort of gone under. Um, it's quite different with Hub. There's more non-domestic customers, whereas you know that these sort of solars have typically, or more more often than not, been sort of affecting domestic, um, large numbers of domestic customers. So I think that's that's another interesting feature of of this sort of latest solar as well. Yeah, agreed. And I think the other the other side of it is, of course, is the the businesses that support energy suppliers. So I, I was with a company the other week that that installed smart meters, and they've been very successful in getting into some of the new entrants and the, the smaller suppliers um, but obviously once something like that happens a solar event or or even a, a some some M&A when that particular player is then bought out by somebody else you know quite often they lose the um, the contract that they that they'd fought very hard to win in terms of installing smart meters or whatever else it is they're doing so I think there are other casualties and, and other consequences as as ever when when businesses uh, change hands or, or, or go through a, a solar event. Just moving on to a different finding of our report, 
this was around um, the need for suppliers to engage customers beyond just energy supply um, and, and sort of around what suppliers can do to create and maintain lasting relationships with, with their customers. And again, this is, this is an interesting one because actually it's, it's at odds with that sort of high churn, low trust model, if you like, which is something we, we talk about in the report. What kind of reasons, um, what opportunities are there for consumers, Tim, do you think? Yeah, I think it's an interesting point, this, because it, essentially, if you break it down, gas and electricity are just a commodity, aren't they? They're, there's nothing sort of particularly special about if, you know, if I buy from one supplier to the next supplier, that there's no difference in what I get because of the way that, that, that you know, it's a commodity, it's delivered through the same wires and pipes and all the rest of it. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a strange one where you think, oh, but I'm buying all renewable energy. Um, but obviously what you're using is a mix. It's all sort of mixed together and it could be, it, there's all sorts in there, isn't it, when you actually use it and, and we all take it for granted. It's just, we switch, put a switch on, we turn the oven on, whatever it might be. Um, we're not really uh, sort of engaged at that at that level. It's not like the new, the latest iPhone versus the latest uh, Samsung phone, is it? The, the, there's nothing sort of particularly sort of shiny and different about, about about the product that they're selling. So that that then leads you to, either customer service and, and you know query is customer service going to be that you know such a differentiator in deciding whether to go with with someone who you know who supplies something that you as I say we all take for granted and we think should work anyway so I'm not sure that's the way but I think certainly as as technology um, advances as we get further electrification of, of energy and we move away from gas in terms of heating and, and, and what have you um, then I think that's probably the way that, that they're going to build that that lasting relationship and and offer, as you talked about there, the sort of EV tariffs and you know maybe even um, even looking at you know when if I if I buy an electric car, it will come with uh, you know so many miles worth of of electricity from a particular supplier, so almost sort of bundling it in in that way. Um, and I know certain people have looked at, at the sort of bundled offering of um, of all the utilities being been in you know um, through one supplier including your broadband and your telephone and your tv and everything like that so i think there's there's opportunities there um for for suppliers um and i think you quite right you quite rightly pointed out the the sort of green agenda and i think that that is um gaining gaining ground people do want to know what the esg um policies are of, of particularly large corporates um like the former big six um, and I think that will play more of a of a part. Um, it, the community energy side of things is in, interesting. I, I think it, it's a shame that they didn't um, sort of take off in the way that that I thought they would. Um, but but I think there still is a, a role for that kind of offering. Um, it's just trying to sort of capture the imagination. And I think it's it, it, you need to sort of demonstrate that you're giving something back and that, that the community that you're in is benefiting from people buying their their energy locally if you like um so I, I think all of those are yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out but i think the the technology is, as we get the the sort of as the smart meter rollout takes hold as we we get more of a a smart grid in place um more and more people are now looking at obviously generating their own uh, electricity and 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 so that's going to have an impact on on the way things work as well and i think and you know the suppliers need to need to tap into that again we touched on this in our report you know, the role of suppliers in, in climate change and ESG, environmental, social and governance compliance. Um, we are seeing, you know, more suppliers take steps to show that they're making a difference, be that at a community or national 
uh, or bigger bigger level. So yeah, I, th I think there's definitely more of that to come. And yeah, I think we have one final question um, focused on the future that we'd like to cover. So our final question um, to you um, in this podcast today is obviously we've seen quite a lot of change already in the domestic energy supply markets. Um, it looks quite different today than what it did five years ago. Um, what do you think the market will look like post 2025 following the implement implementation of um, market-wide half-hourly settlement, for example, and the smart meter rollout? And who do you think will be the key players in the market in the future? Yeah, no, it's a very good I think it's a good question, and I think what we can guarantee is that whatever I say now will be, will be wrong when we get to 2025. Um, but but I think I think the market will be I think there'll be less people in it than there are now. I think with the, this this consolidation will continue. You know, we will see um, a lot less there. They'll, they'll have larger customer bases than than we've got at the moment as a result of that. And a lot will depend on the the take up of things like EV um, and and the infrastructure and keeping pace whether we can take advantage of of the the half hourly and the the smart meter rollout particularly to to bring in time of use tariffs um which i think would transform things into particularly you know in terms of um the that ev sector um i think that will be um i think that will be, be very interesting in terms of who the key players will be i th i think the the bigs or the we've called it the former big six now because obviously with, with Ovo taking on SSE's um, customer base I think the the other five will um, will probably get less interested in in the domestic supply um, and focus more on their, their their large business customers which will open it up for a, a couple of other players um, to uh, to step in um, and, and and take over that that portfolio of customers so it, it will be interesting I, I don't know if there'll be any new entrants um, that will um, that will make a splash. Um, as I say, we, I know from from my time at Utility Group, we looked at bringing um, one player into the market that had certainly disrupted mobile phone and broadband um, offerings in the past, and saw um, and saw this industry as, as the sort of next one that needed a, a shakeup, shall we say? Um, but I don't. I think that time's passed. They didn't. They decided not to enter the market in the end they couldn't get the, the economics to work so i can't see that happening i can't see there being a different i can't see there being any different players um in 2025 to to the ones that we've got now there'll be less um but i think there'll be the, the sort of same names in there dominating that that market and do you think we will ever see the same pace of change um, to the composition of the market that we've seen in the past, like, um, for instance, during the 2010s, um, when we saw um, a number of solar um, supplies exit via solars, um, particularly during the 2018. Do you think we'll see that, that pace again in the future? No, I don't. I, I, I don't think there will be that that same um, number of, of new entrants um, coming in. I, I think I think it'll, it will consolidate and I think it will sort of settle down into a bit more of a steady state um but i think that that sort of rush i think that was it was a bit of a gold rush wasn't it and and i think it's like all these things that they sort of come to an end and and there are winners and losers and i think we're through that phase now i think i think it's maturing um as a market in that sense since it since it opened up and and was um in in our, it was arguably too easy to come into the market there, there weren't enough checks and balances you know you could buy a 
a ready badged um, supplier company um, with with all the, the you know the licenses you needed, and off you went. Um, and and I think that's that's clearly proved a, a little bit dangerous in terms of um, you know the, the how that's worked out. So I, I don't think there will be that that pace of change. I think there'll be there'll be change um, in terms of the offering um, that that suppliers need to put forward as we talked about to build that lasting relationship so i think we'll see more change there and i think we'll see more innovation in the way that um that that um that they engage with customers um and the sort of relationship that they try to build and and i think probably going out on a limb but i think we won't see as much switching um as we have done i think the um that and obviously a lot of that was down to to price and that, that, that was the problem if you, you're in a market where price is the only differentiator then you're in a race to the bottom which is which is never going to end well so i think i think just from a a business sense perspective that will stop i don't think that can continue it's not sustainable great it's been really good to hear your views on the findings um of our reports um so Everything that we've discussed today, the, the key findings of our research were consolidation in the domestic energy market. Obviously, if you want to find out more um, about it, feel free to, to contact either um, myself, Emma or Tim via email. Finally, a, a thank you as well to, to all of those who have contributed to the report across the industry. So we'll now bring the podcast to a close. Thank you.